0: Oh my God! What's going on? Who who are you? Who am I? What is this? What is this microphone? What do these buttons do? I'm John. This is John who helps you write better. So let's uh, let's write better. I don't know if you've noticed. A few of you have, but I don't know if everybody noticed that I've been gone for quite a few days. No podcasts. Very little Patreon. Very little output. And that's because I was working on what we are going to call the book. Now we are not going to assign any kind of judgment or value or quality level to the book. Just know that I've been doing the book now and finished it and quite satisfied with myself about finishing it and that we are never going to really discuss the book in any great specific particular detail. Suffice to say that uh, I now have plenty of podcast topics and things to do and say. So thanks the book because you're making a lot of this stuff possible. I want to I wanna talk more. I want to talk more about writing. I want to talk more in more detail rather than just give you a little bit of rah-rah and send you on your way. There will be rah-rah, don't you worry. But at the same time, I want to really make clear that there's going to be some education up in here, okay? Like I know a lot of people listening to this probably say something to to yourself like, oh, I know this stuff already. And hey, some of you do. and good for you. I'm happy for you. But I'm doing this to raise all boats, not just specific boats with a rising tide. So we're going to get into some stuff over the next couple episodes because there's some really fundamental story stuff worth talking about. And it's worth talking about in some detail. So if you're willing to forgive the occasional pause or um or uh, because... I'm not scripting these. I've just literally plugged the microphone in, pressed the button, and started. If you're willing to forgive a few bumps in the road, I think you're going to get a lot of great help, a lot of great instruction, a lot of great examples for how to do some of these things that's going to make a radical, big, giant, super, mega, level up kind of improvement when it comes to your writing. And I have to tell you this as I'm talking, as I'm sitting here yammering into this microphone, the sun has burst through the clouds. So I'm taking this as a sign that it's meant to be. And now we're going to get into it. So here we go. Today's topic, I want to talk about building tension. Now, just so we're clear, I'm gonna say this up front. If you suck at building tension, I don't care, what we'll talk about the kinds of tension in a second, but if you are bad at building tension or if you just don't care about tension, uh, your story, no matter what it is, no matter the genre, no matter how many books you've written before, no matter what the, the content of your plot is, no matter what, your book is going to fall flat. It's going to suck. It's going to be bad news if you cannot effectively create, manipulate, and satisfy tension. That's a big part of this job when we're talking about scene development, character arc progression, plot progression, story climaxes, resolutions, developing a mystery, developing a romance, developing an action scene, developing anything. There's always tension. And your ability to do things with it is like top or nearly the very tippity top of the pyramid when it comes to writing beyond just like, hey, that's an adverb and hey, that's a comma and hey, that's a period. Tension manipulation is a fundamental tool. It's a big deal. So let's talk about what it is and then talk about what we can do with it. And we're going to start by defining tension. This definition is fungible. It's really adaptable. And by no means am I the sole authority on it. All I can tell you is that tension, however you're going to define it or come to understand it, is like the primary fuel for the engine in your story. And tension is this. Tension is the disparity between two created states of story. So we have a status quo. That's how things are. And then we have this other position, this other element, this other stuff, this other way we want things to be, this other way we want you know characters to be, the other way the characters want the world to be. There's this other dimension, this other capacity, whatever you want to call it. And the fact that these two things are different, and the fact that between these two things a character is efforting to go from here to there, from status quo to changed state, Is What prompts action and that disparity and trying to navigate it is the tension of whatever we're talking about the chapter the book the scene the sentence the paragraph the act the series whatever you've got to establish that there is a status quo and that there is a thing we are trying to reach from leaving the status quo. Now we can talk about this on a scene level. Like, within a scene, the tension of a scene is, let's say, two people are arguing and it's one person reaching a conclusion and the other one reaching a conclusion. Or it's, will they storm off? Or will they kiss? Or will one of them crash their car? Or, you know, maybe it's an action scene and the tension is, who's going to survive, you know, the fight? Maybe it's Uh, Maybe it's the big climax of the story and the tension is whether or not the villain will destroy the hero. There's always tension and don't misunderstand or misdefine the idea of status quo as being boring. It's not about boring. It's just this is how things are whatever that is, that's our status quo. So in the course of a boxing match, the status quo is people punching each other in the face. In the course of cooking dinner, the status quo is pots bubbling away and the stove being on and it being hot. In the course of an argument, the status quo is two people with progressively escalating emotional temperatures arguing and trying to can, you know, give ground or take ground or say something. That's the status quo. That's how things are. Now, Depending on what that, I'm going to use a word, arness is, depending on how that status is, we have a certain number of options for how we can get to where we want to go. If we're in, let's say, a dialogue beat, it is very unlikely, very unnatural that we are going to go from two people talking and arguing to suddenly a car chase because that's really jarring, it's really awkward. That's called an unnatural step intention. We don't really wanna do those. Sometimes there are chances where our unnatural steps make sense because our hero is trying to do something heroic like I've never swung across a chasm on a vine before so here I go. We want that unnatural step because it's been developed and built up and we're gonna give it a try. But most of the time, unnatural steps really tell the reader, hey, the author doesn't know how to connect these two dots, so we're just going to put them next to each other. We want to avoid that situation as much as possible. So if we don't want an unnatural step, do we want a natural step? And if so, how do we get it? Yes, we want natural steps. What is a natural step? A natural step for tension uses Contextual logic. That means it makes sense for it to happen in the moment to progress in some way. Two people arguing one of the most natural conclusions is somebody storms off. It makes sense to that. They're not going to suddenly fly out the window. They're not going to suddenly turn into a chicken. They're not going to suddenly, you know, like summon a giant robot. It makes logical sense for one thing to follow the other. We want to get those natural steps as reasonable sounding to the reader as possible so that the tension we created in the scene, the disparity between how we are and where we want to be, also carries along. So, for instance, using our example, two people arguing. If one person feels completely unheard and completely disrespected and we're in their head because let's say it's it's a first person argument so we get a chance to be in the we get to use the internals of our of our i character if the i character storms off because oh fuck this that person's not listening to me the tension and frustration and the feeling of our argument carries off it doesn't stop just cuz that they walk away and we move to a new scene that tension persists because tension is always going to try to be persistent it's gonna hang around. It's gonna be that, you know, old rice at the bottom of the pot after your, you know, dinner when you're trying to clean the dishes. It's going to just hang out. It's gonna be, you know, the the little droplets of of, of condensation off a glass. It's just gonna sit there and be there. That's just what tension does. It needs to persist as long as possible because tension ultimately decays. And sometimes that decay is not great, but it wants to persist and be active as much as possible. With our natural steps, we want to think in logical terms of what the characters can do. So, two people argue, one person slams the door and walks off. You know, two people get into a boxing match, ultimately somebody's getting knocked down. The villain and the hero and the big climax at the waterfall, they're going to fight. There's a natural progression to this. Tension wants to escalate and tension wants to persist. So how do we do that on a constructive level? Well, we're going to add words. We're going to add paragraphs. We're going to add ideas for the reader that make things more difficult or add new things to become difficult over the course of whatever we're talking about, whether it's a scene, a chapter, an arc, a book, a series, whatever. We are going to raise the stakes because usually, not always and not permanently, but usually raising the stakes means raising tension. Hang on, here's a cautionary note. If you keep throwing things in there, like we're overloading it, We stop making tension, we stop building tension, and we just sort of paralyze the story because so many things are in play. So many things are spinning. It's sort of like juggling, and when you get comfortable juggling, you can start to add a few more things. Like, ah, I'm good with juggling two things, let's add a third, then a fourth, but eventually if we add like 15... Based on how your skill is at the moment, 15 might be too many things. You might want to add 15. Some of them might be chainsaws on fire because we want to increase the danger. We want to increase the emotion. We want to increase, increase, increase. But when you as a writer get sloppy and just start adding things without understanding whether it's a natural step or an unnatural step, we don't really get a chance to create and develop tension. You just start naming things and it becomes this sort of anxiety thing it becomes this sort of massive well there's this and this and this and this and this and this that the reader has to you're expecting and demanding in fact that the reader pay attention and keep it all straight but also somehow know the priority that you mean you are giving them a laundry list of 10 things and you want them to remember those 10 things in order all the time but if you don't like Lay out what that means and explain why item number six is item number six and why item number five isn't item number two. You've just got a pile of shit, and you are asking your reader to keep it all straight because you are failing to do one of the jobs of writing, which is putting a movie in the reader's brain and explaining things and creating context so that they can enjoy the movie in their brain. If you're just labeling stuff and throwing it in there, oh my god, I have to have a character who. Uh, who cleans the house but also in cleaning the house they have to make sure that they pass home inspection and they, if they don't pass home inspection then, then they won't be able to go to the bank and get a loan and if they can't get a bank and get a loan then they won't be able to open the radio station and if they can't open the radio station then everybody in the small town loses their job and if everybody loses the town in the small job the evil developer is going to show up and suddenly bulldoze everything and there's just going to be strip mining and if there's more strip mining the, the, the planet's climate will collapse. That's what it sounds like when you just take a simple thing like I need tension in this moment about cleaning the house and blow it up by adding more stuff. You need to be reasonable about it. And part of that's going to come from just not loading all the shit up like we're over cramming a laundry basket. And part of that's going to be understanding that the things you pick can contain a certain amount of tension based on how well you describe them. If you're telling me that I don't think this item, whatever it is, doesn't have enough tension, it's not because the item is bad. It's because you fucked up and you haven't described it enough. I don't mean to like call you out here, but I'm pointing out that if you're telling me that the thing you made isn't doing what you wanted to do, it's because you haven't written it well enough. Go back and write it again. Don't add more bells and whistles to it. Just try to make the thing again. The technique is fine. Just do it again until you're happier with it. And if you're having a problem getting happier with it, that's a totally different podcast. Maybe that'll happen this week. That's a different issue for a different day. But right now, we're going back to tension. So we create tension by manipulating status quo to the new state. And we create tension by describing things, describing want, describing interest, describing effort, describing intent, describing action, describing feelings, describing stuff, whatever it might be. So description plus development, meaning stuff happens progressively, we start by one punch, then we add some more punches to our boxing match. And keeping that development reasonable, so we're not suddenly dealing with strip mining the planet like in our last example, development, reasonable development plus description allows us to create tension. How do we manipulate it once we've created it? Well, part of that's going to go back to being reasonable and not suddenly adding more stuff in because it's one of those cases where like two Tylenol are fine, but 10 Tylenol is not 10 times better. You know what I mean? We don't want to just load everything down because the, the more we add to it, the more things we, we have to contend with, the slower we can move through all of it because there's more to navigate. This is called the tension pacing problem because as you attempt to increase tension by increasing quantity of something, your pacing naturally drops because your reader has to be like, oh, there's also this. Don't forget that. Oh, one more thing. Oh, one more thing. Oh, wait. What about those two things? we want to keep things pretty reasonable. We manipulate tension, not by changing the quantity of stuff in play, but by changing character relationships to the things in play. So, if we have our boxing match, and over the course of the boxing match, our main character boxer suddenly feels like they're not doing shit, like they're throwing all their best punches, and it's just not making an impact. It's, it's not knocking the guy down. The other guy doesn't look nearly as beat up as, as our hero does. What are we supposed to do? Then the relationship the character has with their goal through the tension of I'm trying my best, but I'm just not knocking this guy down because the character's relationship to that goal changed. They feel like it's not working. The tension has increased because we are changing the relationship between character and goal. That's how we manipulate tension. If you want something to be a big deal, change the way the character feels about it and change what the character does in order to accomplish it. If your two characters in our argument example, and they're both trying to like make a case for like why one thing has to be one way and why one thing has to be the opposite of that way, then as they argue then how each character feels about the other character and how each character feels about the point and how each character feels about the way they're arguing all those different things can be affected increased decreased changed described you know we can reshape it in a lot of different ways so that we end up with a different result and in a di- and a different maybe attempt or conclusion to our end goal. We can get to our perceived state. We can go from status quo to where we want to be if we follow this route. If we make sure our characters make their argument, we can have our hero win if they're willing to just keep going and not give up. If they're willing to try harder, if they're willing to, you know, switch hands or or just persist and believe in themselves change the relationship of your character to the status quo, to the problem, to where they want to go, and you will get more adaptability, more fluidity, more malleability out of whatever tension you're creating. But how do we resolve tension when it's done? So we've created it we've been screwing around with it, bending it and twisting it and getting it, you know, to be how we want it to be, and over the course of this being and doing and having, we've resolved the problem. We've knocked the guy down. He's down for the 10 count. We have accomplished, you know, our our what young adult hero won the spelling bee. We've accomplished this. We've gone from our status quo to our new state. What does that do for the tension? A lot of writers will, what's the word I want to use, sloppily and hastily tell you that the tension evaporates. And it does, but that also reveals a kind of misunderstanding about how tension operates, because tension wants to persist. So what we need to do again, much like we did when we were modifying tension, we need to change the character's relationship to the tension and turn it instead from something that was an obstacle, turn it into an accomplishment, You can summarize this as like a fuck yeah moment, because fuck yeah, I knocked that guy down. Fuck yeah, I won the spelling bee, says the hero. And you turn what used to be a thing they didn't think they could do into something they can do. That doesn't mean you have to immediately go do it five more times, because every subsequent time you do the thing that used to be difficult, you're not making the character cooler, you're making the problem more obnoxious. You know, like if our character has trouble sinking free throws to win the big game, if they suddenly sink 10 free throws, it's no longer that big an obstacle. The reader's going to start to wonder why it was ever a problem in the first place. Again, we're all the way back to you don't have to load everything up trying to squeeze more tension out of it. You just need to manipulate the tension more effectively with our problem with whatever we have going on what we want to do to resolve it is change our perspective get our character seeing the obstacle in a different way and being able to communicate to the reader how things are different now not just I won the spelling bee not just I knocked the guy down go that additional extra step to establish like yeah I'm good enough to do it now I wonder what the next obstacle is yeah I believe in myself now things are different in my life or if we have our different kinds of tension, we can find different kinds of resolution. Emotional, so let's, let's go with something very easy, sexual tension. Sexual tension is almost always resolved by the accomplishment of some kind of sex act. Will they or won't they? They finally do or they finally don't. Um d- descriptive tension is the idea between describing two things and finally you settle on one description. Active tension is the idea of like, will the action beat end in the way we want? All different kinds of tension, all different kinds of scenes, all different kinds of ideas can pretty much carry their own kind of tension. And really it comes down to when we accomplish the goal, when we satisfy the question, answer the question, or or deal with the thing that is the problem that we are trying to deal with, the tension needs to be manipulated one last time to turn into accomplishment. If you don't do this, if you just sort of like stop writing because, hey, we're done, yay, you can. It's not the end of the world. It's not the greatest move. It's just the difference between like stopping talking and making a conclusion. It's, it accomplishes the same thing, talking stops, but it doesn't carry the same weight we need it to become an accomplishment because the reader needs that context. We resolve tension by creating context. Whether that's, I believe in myself now, so now I'm doing different stuff. You know, I won the big drag race, so the malt shot stays open. I defeated the evil boxer. I wrestled my villain at the edge of a German waterfall. Hooray. Without that context, the reader never gets as much satisfaction as you want them to get. Now, you in your head may feel very satisfied because you're seeing the big picture. But please remember, the reader doesn't have the big picture. The reader's never going to have the big picture. The reader is only going to have the amount of picture you provide them. So if you are never really turning the, the tension into an accomplishment, if you're never really resolving effectively, the reader isn't satisfied. And that's a big problem when it comes to tension, because there are too many cases, too many stories, too many authors who just have their tension stop and never, you know, never let it metamorphose, never let it evolve into accomplishment. It's just, oh, it's over. We don't talk about that anymore, which is, I guess, arguably okay. Like, that's a thing that happens in the human condition, but that doesn't necessarily lead to the most satisfying narrative potential. Does that make sense? We want to make sure not that everything ends with a happy ending because sometimes we don't get happy endings, but we want to make sure it ends in a way that turns and creates context. Without that context, your tension is meaningless because it just sort of exists and sits there. And we want it to be active. We want it to be motile. We want it to be able to be bendy and squishy and flexible and do something with it. If you don't, build tension well enough. If you struggle with this, you, you are going to struggle developing plot. You were gonna struggle developing character arcs. You were gonna struggle writing the climax and resolving your story. So how do we get better at this? How do we deal with this? What do we do about this? And the thing to do is practice. Write another draft. Write another scene. Write the scene again. That doesn't mean like, oh, you're a failure and everything's a problem, because that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you want to get better at a thing, practice the techniques you're using to do the thing. Oh, I want to get better at driving my car. Well, then get in your car and drive. I want to get better at writing this dialogue scene. Well, write a couple different versions of this dialogue scene until you're understanding how people are speaking and how they're moving. Don't just write dialogue and forget that human beings have bodies. Don't just forget that, you know, the rest of the world is happening while the characters are talking. If you want to get better at something, go practice the technique that's how we, and tension is just a series of techniques. It is a manageable, learnable, developable, developable, doable thing. We can get better at making tension. Okay, I think, wow, that's, that's a long one. Awesome. Tomorrow, we're talking about something totally different. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about, well, we're, we've got a couple options. I'm going to flip a coin And whatever I I do next, it's all going to make sense when it comes together by the end of this whole run of podcasts. But there's more coming tomorrow. So give this some thought, and I will talk to you tomorrow.